When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast. I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Another year, another playoff victory for the Chiefs, and now it's on to the divisional round and a trip to Buffalo. On today's show, beat writer Jesse Newell and columnists Sam McDowell and Vahe Gregorian share their thoughts on the Chiefs' victory over the Miami Dolphins in the wildcard round and look ahead to the showdown against the Bills. It's been a fascinating series in recent years, Chiefs versus Bills, Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen. The Bills have had the upper hand in the regular season, but the Chiefs are 2-0 in playoff games in recent years. We break it all down on today's show. So let's get started with Vahe, Sam, and Jesse. Everybody thought out from Saturday? <laughs> uh, I am. Uh, I will say that we felt some sense of... Uh, uh, harshness on the way to the car around 1.30 or 2 a.m. But mostly I think what we all felt was like, I cannot believe people were out there for three or four hours um, or five or six hours because because uh, I wouldn't have. The only thing colder I can remember or just as cold, and Jesse will attest to this, is the walk <laughs> from Hilton Coliseum to your car <laughs> after a night Iowa State basketball game. It's as cold as I've ever been. Um, this one felt like that. It was that cold. You can ask my wife, one of the bottom three places in the world for me is Ames, Iowa, because I have made that walk way too many times, Blair, and uh, it always resembles the coldest place I've ever been. I did uh, once go to a town called Kandu, North Dakota, in December, because it was the hometown of the Rams general manager, Charlie Army, uh, at a time where the Rams were pretty good and I was working in St. Louis and uh, he challenged me actually to go in December. So I did. It was it was not advisable. That was the only time I was colder. And it was the first time I ever saw uh, cars plugged in to stay warm overnight. And the first time I learned there was such a thing as remote uh, uh, means of turning on, as Sam used on his car the other night, uh, to get the car started first. But... Uh, the idea that you live there, like that you just go ahead and stay there, it, it, it struck Choose me. Choose to be there. By choice. Anyway, sorry, I, I'm going on and on. But well, it was, was it was so cold during the game that uh, Patrick Mahomes' helmet broke. Uh, I've never seen that. Uh, that was kind of an amazing play at the end of a terrific play for Mahomes. To the, the, the was a th- was it a 13 yard run? 13 yard run, and I think it was second and seven. Um, and it, he, he had the first down and continued to go. And um, it led to quite a picture being taken by our Emily Curiel, who uh, I think just just for having been out there in, in the uh, atmosphere, along with our Nick Wagner, deserved to have something great come of it. <laughs> and she, she did. She did. It was terrific work. And it's been 
appreciated one way or another all across the country. Did anybody else see her the the portrait photo of her from the game? Yeah. She told me that yeah, you know, her she had the icicles on the eyelashes. <laughs> she, she told me that her they had frozen together. They she there were times during the game she had to, you know, blink just to unfreeze her eyelashes. So it was it, it was that kind of night. But look, the Chiefs I thought played pretty well. Um still have some red zone issues. We should get into that, but they're moving the ball a lot better. They're just uh, going up and down the field. Uh, but you take this game and the Cincinnati Bengals game, the second to last regular season one where the starters played, and I think there's some encouraging signs. There was something about both defenses that left something to be desired, the Bengals and the Dolphins. And it'll be a little bit different when they play the Bills in Buffalo on Sunday in the divisional round game. But I think if you're Andy Reid, and uh, Patrick Mahomes, Matt Nagy, and the offensive players and coaches, you got to feel a little bit better about where this offense is, Sam, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it, it goes back to what we talked about after the Raiders game and after the Bengals game is that they've cleaned stuff up pre-snap. The pre-snap stuff looks a lot better, and therefore the post-snap's going to look better. Um, listen, I mean, the Dolphins were, were, were hobbled. They didn't have their edge rushers, and I always think those are the teams that are going to the Chiefs the most – fits because their edge you know their tackles are probably their weakness of their offense right now and um when you don't have guys that can exploit that then i think the chiefs are, are going to look pretty good offensively but what really stands out to me is because we've talking been talking about the pass catchers so much is rashi rice looks like a different player than what he was in the first month of the season which i think a lot of us anticipated but i also thought the week off did travis kelsey some good um and look he dropped three passes but I think if you're looking at just the the anecdotes from or the statistics for how he will perform going on in the playoffs, you'd like to say he cleans that part up, and he was open more than he has been recently. So a couple of good signs for for the uh, for the past game that wasn't quite as dependent on the Dolphins. That first drop, he got it was the first play of the game, right? Uh, that he, he got a, technically a drop on that. I, I don't think he had his head turned around to, to look it in. It kind of came upon him quickly. Uh, the one I'm sure he wished he had back was the one later where it looked like he would have scored if he had caught it yeah. down in the red zone. So, um, But once again, the red zone continues to be an issue. And thank goodness for Harrison Butker's accurate leg. He had what, the six field goals against the Bengals and four more against uh, the Dolphins here. The guy's just incredible. And a couple of what – yeah, two or two against the Chargers in the game that all the starters start, but he had to play. So the guy's been pretty amazing. Um, what 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 has to change uh, in the red zone? What's Jesse? What do you see as the red zone issue for this team? Well, um, you know, I went back and watched the film of it. One of them, they would have a walk-in touchdown if they had executed a block correctly, and that's sort of what they've relied on in short yardage situations. Is that uh, they sort of said, hey, you're two, you're three, go beat up your man and, and go get this thing. And uh, on one particular play, when I think it was first and goal from the three, they had a really good play call called that um, a puller coming around the side. And unfortunately, a, a blitzer for the Chiefs kind of stepped up in the gap and Juwan Taylor wasn't able to get sealed off and had some backfield penetration. But if Juwan Taylor has his head on the swivel and sees that a little bit quicker, 
then all of a sudden, um, again, the Chiefs are going to walk in on a touchdown there. So they really relied upon, whether it's short yardage or red zone, they relied upon that run game to be able to take care of that part of it, especially late in the season. And I, I think you have to give kudos to the Chiefs offensive line for how they played when it comes to pass blocking. And it's sort of why I never bought fully the whole national narrative of, like, the Chiefs need to become a running football team. Well, you know, their tackles haven't run blocked very well all year and uh, Isaiah Pacheco is great for what he is you know he moves the pile from four yards to seven yards and has good traction with his short steps in icy conditions but he's not a guy that breaks a lot of tackles and in the open field that turns you know 10 yards into 70 so this still is a team that's going to have to throw the football and that's what they did so well you mentioned it Blair is that they got chunk yardage they had five 20 plus yard pass plays in this particular game and so moving from the 20 to the 20 was really good and they didn't turn the ball over until the last possession when the game was already out of reach so they did all those things without shooting themselves in the foot as far as the red zone problems go i mean we know andy's gonna have some trickery coming up and that's how they kind of scored their one of their touchdowns with isaiah pacheco taking a direct snap so i'm sure they'll have more up their sleeves if they think that the run game can't get it going but um you hear me kind of say this a lot of times every single week where it's kind of a lack of execution when it doesn't work we don't talk about the three-yard touchdown runs when they do work but the Chiefs had an opportunity in that one Juwan Taylor didn't get his guy blocked and like I said the tackle issues have sort of been something that's haunted this team throughout the year I think to Sam's point it did not haunt them as much as his past game because the Miami was so beat up on the edge Juwan Taylor's an interesting guy isn't he um he got the penalty on the what would have been Rashi Rice's second touchdown reception um, the block in the back. Did on, on, upon further reflection, was that a good call? I don't think it was. I, I think I, I, I guess it's asking a lot of the official to moderate the whole play. But he did get shoved. He, he got shoved in the back into the back. Yeah. So I don't think it should have been a penalty. You guys might disagree, but I I, I think that uh, it's a bum rap. Well, for a guy that gets a lot of raps. <laughs> yeah, and that's probably that's part of the problem, right? I, I, I don't know if it necessarily figures on that play, but I do think uh, we've seen examples of things that go against him because he's got the track record a little bit. Leads uh, the NFL in penalties. Yeah. By a lot. Yeah. He's got you know 50% more than anybody else in the league. And yeah. what percentage I, – I meant to look this up yesterday. I didn't quite get to it, but out of the Chiefs' um, offensive penalties this year – He's got almost half of them. No, not half. He's got – he had 17 in the regular season. The Chiefs definitely had more than 34. I thought they had 39 offensive, um, penalties. offensive penalties. But I might be wrong about that. Uh, as Bill Self would say, check me on that, Sam. <laughs> Except for Bill Self always knows the number when he's when he's saying that. <laughs> you check it. <laughs> you check it. You got the computer. You're the guy, the skeptic. I'll let Sam look it up, but to his point, I, I want to make this point because Sam said something really good early in the season, and I think this is what we saw from the Chiefs on Saturday, which is penalties usually don't kill this team because they just make plays after them, or mistakes don't usually kill this team because they just sort of bounce back. And I think we saw some really good resilience. It's, it's something we probably needed to see from the Chiefs throughout the course of the season because we talk so much about their sideline tirades and getting mad at officials and things that we don't normally see with the Chiefs. But to you guys' point, Travis Kelsey dropped a ball. They were on third and ten, and they converted. You know what I mean? Juwan Taylor had a full start penalty. In the next play, they got a huge play to Rasheed Rice. And so that was maybe sort of one of the underlying really positive things we saw from the Chiefs, which is kind of to Sam's point earlier, which is in general, penalties don't kill offenses because good offenses can overcome them. 
And what we saw from the Chiefs this year is it felt like they were stuck in the mud so much and they got affected by it so much that those five-yard penalties turned into monstrous things they couldn't overcome. And for a game, at least, uh, the offense was good enough to overcome mistakes. So I do think that's a positive sign for them moving forward, especially with some of the adversity they faced throughout the course of the season. Sam wants to tell everybody that I was way <laughs> off on that figure. He's what, got 20, 20% of his team's penalties this year, and that's after the two. Of the, oh, the offense, game. though, is what I was saying. Right. They've, they've, the offense has committed 63 penalties this year, second in the NFL. Didn't I say 63? 39. <laughs> <laughs> Plus 24? Minus 24? Well, they may be able to overcome some of these mistakes, but they did not overcome the um, the Taylor block in the back or the, the, the Creed Humphrey dribble snap back to Mahomes. Right both in the red zone, and the, the, the Creed Humphrey snap happened on third down, so uh, Mahomes just had to throw it away and settle for field goals on both occasions. But, you know, it's, it's his – Patrick Mahomes has said it more than once um, that, you know, he, he, he's changed his approach to this team because of how good this defense is. And uh, as long as they're getting points on these possessions – and the defense is holding the opponent, and as it did, you know, Miami had seven, right? Best defensive effort in that regard since the Chiefs shut out the Texans in the 2015 divisional game. Um, you can, uh, you know, as long as you're getting production on the possession, you can rely on this defense to, you know, to do its job, do its part. This defense has done some good things in the playoffs, uh, but, but, and Sam got into this the other day from his column off the game. Even in the Spagnola era, era, they've given up. It's given up twenty five point five points a postseason game. Wow, I didn't realize it was. Yeah, that. yeah, and <clears throat> and you know twenty five a game in the postseason against the Patriots got Bob Sutton fired. Of course, that was thirty seven one in one game, and you know it was a long time coming in a lot of ways. But like, the point is. They've found their ways to contribute even in the postseasons with, with you know some key plays and stuff, but the numbers not been great. So that, that that amplifies, I think, the point of what that achievement was against the Dolphins. Uh, you know, the highest scoring team in the NFL, and obviously the circumstances AFC, yeah. in the AFC uh, circumstances were harsh and different, and makes you wonder how that game would have played in Miami. But they didn't play it in Miami, um, so. But what, were you going to add something about the defense, Sam? Well, I mean, th- just what you said. I mean, it's the lowest. It's the first time they've allowed fewer than 13 points um, in the Patrick Mahomes era in a game. Um, it was their second lowest yards per play they've allowed during the Patrick Mahomes era, which I yeah, mean, we're not, not talking about just playoffs, all games. No, those are playoffs. Oh, those okay. are playoffs. Yeah, they they did not allow fewer than 13 points in a playoff game. Um, since Patrick Mahomes in a game Patrick Mahomes has played in the playoffs, um, that was that Indianapolis game and eighteen. His, his first yeah, playoff game, yeah, that breaks the home playoff drought. But yeah. I mean, that just speaks to the point. Is it's you know, I mean, when Patrick Mahomes says we can punt, or you know, the Vahe's touched on a couple times. I mean, it literally is a different defensive performance than he has ever had when he's been the quarterback of a playoff team, and. You know, the way I phrase it in the column is for so long we've been talking about how can this offense be different in order to get back to where it was that I think we've just too readily ignored the fact that the defense has been the same for 18 weeks now. Like, this has been such a consistent performance. They're the only team in the NFL that has not allowed 30 points in a game all season. Um, and 
they're playing uh, a, a team next that I think the relevance here is the first two of the, two of the games the Chiefs lost this year were teams that they were playing for the second time, and the Dolphins were a team they were playing for the second time, and and that Broncos game and the Raiders game they their defense played worse the second time. Um, well, I, I guess I said the offense played worse in, in the Raiders game, but. Um, you know, when you shut a team like the Dolphins down, when they know they're the team that has to make the adjustments, they're one of the most complicated offenses in the league. And so what do you do? You respond with complicated. And rather than trying to make the game more simple, you say, okay, we'll play complicated too. And I've never seen a quarterback look as out of sorts in, in a game that I've covered as Tua had no idea what was going on in the game. Their entire offense is built on timing. We saw snaps with Legereus Sneed just taking timing away. A lot of teams try and press the Dolphins, press coverage the Dolphins. The Chiefs made it work because, I mean, they just gave them different looks than literally that they presented all season, and it's it's why his, his playbook is so deep. Hey, one, one quick thing to go back to just while we're sort of on this, um, and I'd, I'd love to hear Sam and Jesse chime in on the simplification of the offense part, or at least, you know, the nuanced difference we're seeing in the last couple full squad games. Um, you know, Pacheco had 24 carries on, on Saturday. And, and, and that, you know, again, was maybe somewhat due to the elements, although the Chiefs did come out throwing passes on their first three plays. Um, and I, I think that and uh, the – A season high just to – A season high. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Was it a career high? Just to put that into context. I'm not positive it was a career yeah. high. I know it was a season high. A season high, and he had 18 against against the Bengals. So I mean, that that's a little bit of a pattern. The other pattern you guys have alluded to it a few different times. I think um, they're certainly uh, simplifying the number of people they're going to go to <laughs> in in the extreme. I, 12 targets to Rashi Rice. Um, he's been targeted something like 67 times in the last seven games, um, and has flourished, right? Three 300-yard games in that span, back-to-back 100-yard games in the games he's played. Um, no, almost nobody else is getting more than a couple targets. McCole Hardman had three targets, uh, all of them with their own adventures. Um, I don't think any of them tell you that that's what they should do again, although who knows. But I guess I, I'm just thinking it in the vein of what you were talking about before, Blair, it, it, that it, it looks a little different than what we've seen. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. They've refined, to your point, they've refined the guys that have shown them over the course of the season they can depend on. You know, Rushy Rice, everything we were talking about in the preseason was his drops. And he hasn't dropped a pass in like six weeks. Right. Um, so, dropped on Saturday, though. Uh, yeah, until Saturday. Until Saturday, But yeah. they, uh, um, you know, I mean, they're just going with the guys that all along we thought have been their most dependable guys. And it's just taken them a while to get to this spot in the, in the season, which just makes you think that, a lot of the guys in this roster, they thought would come around by the end of the season. I think Kadarius Tony's top of that list that just haven't. So it's, you, you got to roll with the guys that, that are rolling for you. Real quick, a number to throw in. Patrick Mahomes had seven throwaways uh, this past game. 
against the Dolphins. It's tied for his career high. First time he'd done that since 2021 in a game. And his career season high before that was four, and that was two games ago against the Raiders as well. So to talk about some of that maybe flipping of the not having to do everything offensively or feel like the way the world's on your shoulders, uh, that could be an indication right there that he's decided, hey, avoid the turnovers, avoid the negative plays at all costs, rely on the defense a little bit more. I think that's a, that's a really great point and, and one that uh, uh, I, I discovered kind of by accident last night when I was I kept looking up Patrick's uh, numbers and the, the number of players he targeted and it was 34 targets. I was like, well, it was 23 or 41. And finally, uh, the light bulb came on uh, and and uh, it, it, it really supports the point we're all trying to make, though, to what you just said, Jesse, to say that you know, it's more apt to do that and just just do it when you have to. Well, I mentioned the play on the, uh, the dribbled snap back to Mahomes, and he really quickly chucked it out of bounds and settled for the field goal. That may have been a play in the past where he would have worked around and looked for somebody and, and may have thrown an interception in the end zone uh, because the, the timing was off immediately from the play. And he didn't waste any time. He, he, I think he took a look and then threw it away and, and got the points. So that may be an example of what you're talking about, it, Jesse. You're making me think of this. There, there's, I don't know. I can't remember when the sequence was, but he got the uh, intentional grounding call at one point. Then the next play, it looked like it was going to be another intentional grounding call, except for it was a roughing the passer. But it it it, it looked to me like perilously close to having that happen again. Um, so, I, yeah, I think we're on to a little pattern. Let's go back to the defense here. Um, you know, in in a matter of uh, two weeks, uh, the Chiefs, the, the Pro Bowl and the All-Pro teams were announced, and the Chiefs didn't have a member of the secondary on the Pro Bowl team. And then Trent McDuffie uh, was the first-team slot corner, which is a new position, by the way, on the on the All-Pro team. Didn't exist last year. But a nice honor for Trent McDuffie. But once again, I, I listen, maybe because we see Legereus Sneed week after week and game after game, um, I, I can't imagine there being uh, – there was a cornerback in the NFL that had a more effective year than, than Legereus Sneed. And just the – the fact that he had Tyreek Hill respond to him on Twitter this week um, with that with that play where he just kept him down is testament to that. But um, th- these with these two cornerbacks and the way they're playing pass defense, I, I think if you're looking for reasons to be optimistic uh, about the Chiefs as they go into Buffalo, it kind of starts there. Yeah, I mean, I think. Spags has done a lot to help out his defensive backs this year. But I think the inverse is true of Legereus Sneed. I think he's done a lot to help out Spags and his play calling. I mean, when you've got a guy that can take away another team's number one, um, look, he's, he's really long, and I think that's what helped him so much against Tyreek. There's not a lot of people. I mean, remember the adage when Tyreek Hill played in Kansas City is we can't press cover him because he'll run right by you. Legereus Sneed press covered him all day and was effective at it. And um, I think, you know, when you look at the the – accolades like pro bowl and all pro he's got two interceptions all year and well part of a product of that is he's not getting a lot of passes thrown his way you know the the cowboys defensive back deron bland who got toasted in the playoff game by the packers well 
he's got he like was on five those picks, teams. five pick sixes, right? And, and was on those teams, the all star yeah. teams. Yeah. So I mean, he he makes the boom or bust plays. We haven't seen a lot um, of opportunity there for Jerry Seen, but I do think I mean the Chiefs haven't done a good enough job turning the ball over enough this year. Like I do think that's a spot they can improve, but that's the reason he's not getting the accolades that. Anybody that plays against Ladarius Snead, all these number one guys, I think will tell you it's probably the hardest matchup they've had this this season. So he's on. Undi- well, I was just gonna say, Blair. I think we have to throw in that uh, the penalty situation on this. Um, Ladarius is one of the top defensive players when it comes he's, to he's, penalties. He's number, he is number but, one. Yeah, he is number one. But I, I think this is sort of where you get a really good fit between player and system, because you heard earlier in the year. I mean. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo was asked about that with LeJerry Sneed, and LeJerry Sneed was asked about it, and they were sort of shrugging their shoulders like, hey, that's the cost of doing business. And the cost of doing business with that is to have this physical, tough mentality that you come into this playoff game, you go against the Miami Dolphins, and, I mean, there's no other way to put it, guys. Like, LeJerry Sneed bully-balled Miami's offense. Like, the Chiefs took it to Miami because LeJerry Sneed was out there and set the tone the whole day. He was on the sideline chirping to three or four guys uh, in Miami. He put Tyreek Hill to the ground. You saw the Chiefs in the locker I mean, they talk about this locker room, but they tackled. They tackled dudes in the coldest day of the year, and that's really hard to do when you're a defensive player. I think so much of that comes from a physical mentality that Chiefs want to create defensively because they do press. So many teams drop back in zone. They don't do press coverage. They don't do man coverage very much. The Chiefs don't want to lose that physicality. And so that's why, it, to me, this is just sort of a perfect marriage because Spag says, hey, LJ, you be you. You go be physical. I'll deal with the penalties. That's okay. And then you get to one of these games where you play a finesse team and you just punch the heck out of them. And I think that's sort of where all this comes together for the Chiefs is that Legereus Sneed is kind of the perfect corner for them because he embodies what they want from their corner and they'll live with the mistakes that maybe other teams wouldn't. But because of that, you win a playoff game and you dominate a playoff game because this guy's on your side and he's just knocking the heck out of the other team. And I think it's different than, um, you know, that's the differentiator between years past. Is I, I guarantee you the Dolphins last week when they were watching film thought, this is not a great matchup for us. Because their entire offense is built on the time. You know, Tua gets rid of the ball quicker than any yeah. quarterback in the entire league. So that tells you that it's, it's – and he's also 32nd in scramble grade. Like, he does not scramble well. So their whole offense is predicated on this is what's supposed to be open. It better be open. And when you're able to jam guys and play physical with them at the line of scrimmage, then you get into the situation that we saw with the Dolphins on four down to where you've got a quarterback who, who his first read's not open. He does not scramble well, and now it's now what? And we saw that play out for four quarters. So, you know, I, I, the Bills have a much better scrambler. Uh, Josh Allen is as good as any quarterback in the league at buying extra time and actually making something out of it. If they move on, they'd play a Ravens team that's also got a really good scrambling quarterback. So I do think it's a little bit of a one-off matchup-wise, but the way the defense is playing, I still think, I mean, they might be the deep, best defense left in the, in the playoffs outside of the Ravens. So what do, they, what do the Chiefs do on, on Sunday? Um, it seems like you have to have a spy. And I don't know if that's Willie Gay or if it's Nick yeah. Bolton. I don't know who the spy would be. But you can't, you, you can't let Josh Allen do to the Chiefs what he did to the Steelers on, yeah. on Monday afternoon. Um, he was terrific. So I don't, I don't think he finished with 100 rushing yards, but he was close to it and uh, had the 52-yard touchdown run. Uh, 
it, it's it's different. The Bills are different than the Dolphins, and uh, and it's not a Bills aren't a finesse team. Uh, they can you know they're 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 strong and uh, and can and, and can power past you. So different type of matchup for the Chiefs, but and and look, the Bills have defeated the Chiefs right in the regular season, beat them twenty to seventeen at Arrowhead. I don't remember much from that game beyond the the play that didn't count, the Mahomes to Kelsey to Tony, because that's um, it's funny. Kansas City was really upset about that uh, about that play until kind of the next day. They all realized Tony absolutely lined up offside, and you nothing you can do about it. Made the right call was made. Andy made a you know Andy had a fit after the game, but I bet he wouldn't say much about it now. But uh, um, but this is a different game, different opponent. Bills have lost twice to the Chiefs in the playoffs in the last three years. So um, I think more at stake for Buffalo in terms of where their organization is and what kind of decisions they have to make about the future than with Kansas City. Well, I, I look, I do think this, and I think it's at the crux of the whole thing, and, and I think we all look at it a little differently, whether it's an advantage for Buffalo or um, – you know, a, a, an anvil over its head because it's sort of not now or never, but if not now, when to, to beat the chiefs and they've, they've been able to beat the chiefs in some regular season games. But I, I do think there's a certain mystique attached to this. That is, it's something else to get over for Buffalo. Um, doesn't mean they won't. Um, and you know, it could set about a totally different kind of streak, but as of right now, um, Given everything that the Chiefs have done with Patrick Mahomes, the, the state of mind, the, sort of the flow state, as, as Bobby Stroop, Patrick's longtime trainer, likes to call it, that Patrick gets in, I think that's accentuated in these moments. And um, I think Josh Allen is, for all his talents, has yet to prove he can he can get over this kind of hump. So um, don't know what that will portend, but I but I I think it's just as possible it's a burden for Buffalo to look at it that way as it is uh, inspiration. Buffalo, for all its success in the last, what, for the Josh Allen era, they've only been to one AFC title game, and that was the game at Arrowhead where they, they led the Chiefs 9 to nothing. Remember McCole Hardman had the muff punt that led to a yeah. touchdown, and the Chiefs just blew him out of the water after that. And then the 13-second game was the – uh, divisional round game the next year, um, and they didn't meet in the playoffs a year ago. But Buffalo exited with that, you know, kind of lopsided loss at home to the Bengals yeah. in the, in the divisional round. So Buffalo, you know, for as formidable as they appear and as hot as they are, they they really do have something to prove in this game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, I mean, the Bills are favored for a reason. They, you know, by all the advanced metrics, they've had a really good season. I know the record early on didn't indicate that when they started six and six, but they did not have a lot of bounces go their way. They were better than that six and six record. Oddly, you know, in this this five and zero stretch, some of their numbers are actually worse. You know, their their offensive EPA, even though after they fired Ken Dorsey, a lot of people say, "Oh, well, that must be their turnaround." Well, they've actually been a little bit worse offensively than when they were six and six. Defensively, they're beat up. I mean, they had two cornerbacks. They had they were already playing without Rasul Douglas, who they traded for from Green Bay early in the season. It's been great for them. They got two other cornerbacks hurt in the game against Pittsburgh. Their leading tacklers out, a middle linebacker. And the Bills, what they do better defensively than anything else is they defend the middle of the field really well, which if you're the Chiefs, you like to attack right. the middle of the field um, with both Rice and Kelsey. So I think you'd 
ordinarily look at that as problematic. The, if you're missing your middle linebacker, that changes things. Um, the interesting matchup to me is the Bills really don't defend the deep ball well at all. Um, they like to use their safeties, and it's given the Chiefs problems in those you know rover situations. Go double um, robber situations. Go double Travis Kelsey or Rashi Rice on this route. So I just wonder if we're going to see the Chiefs try and attack deep over the field a little bit more than we have, which is not an area that they've been really successful this season. A McCole Hardman game uh, was, is what you're projecting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, guys. I was holding my breath every time rewatching the game when the Dolphins brought an all-out blitz with no safety because the Chiefs were an eyelash away about four different times, but that's been the story of their season. They've been an eyelash away from those deep shots the entire course of the year, but um, I'm, I'm with Sam here. You know, the reason the Bills are favored is that, you know, Vegas is telling us they're the better team, and I kind of think back to sort of the narratives we create in our minds, you know, Bill Self can't make a Final Four until he does. Tony Bennett chokes in the first round until he wins the national title the next year. You know, I mean, you only get so many opportunities. So I absolutely think the onus is on the Bills to prove that they can do this. Obviously, they were 13 seconds away in a very famous game in this one, but the Chiefs are going to have their hands full in this one, especially with the setting moving to Buffalo. Um, They've been able to play all these games at Arrowhead all these years. The one thing, the one thing I will say, uh, and that kind of makes me just pause with this, is the Bills kind of got unlucky again this year with something that was outside of their control, which is that they played Monday, the Chiefs played Saturday, and now you got to turn around and play again on Sunday. And Warren Sharp's done all this analysis. This is not a perfect apples-to-apples comparison, but he talked about teams with three or more days rest advantage, and he said since 2015, this is his stat, from week 13 onward, teams have won 55% of their games with the three-game advantage and covered this spread 56% of the time in a 106-game sample. This will be two games instead of three games, but you would think the same sort of thing applies, and that's what Sam is talking about. You get a few guys injured on a Monday night game or Monday afternoon game, and you turn around and you have to play Sunday, that's a really quick turnaround. So I think the Chiefs have a little bit of an advantage there, and if we do talk about them potentially winning this game, I think that's not something we can overlook, that the second half of the season they were at the rest disadvantage, and at the most important time they potentially have a little bit of a break. All right, Jesse, you do the official prediction for the Chiefs, and you don't do it until Friday. You put a lot of thought into it and um, a lot of consideration, but what's the, what's the early week lean on this game? You know, I always thought if the Chiefs had to play at Buffalo, that would probably end their season. Um, so I, I don't, I'm not going to stick with that necessarily. Don't know yet. I, I, I am a real believer the rest thing can help the Chiefs, though. And I'm a real believer in what Vahe talked about, which is I think that there is a little bit of mental stuff that goes into this. The Bills thinking, God, they played well for 59 minutes and 47 seconds against this team one time in the playoffs, and it was not good enough. I mean, they're basically celebrating on the sideline, and it was not good enough. So there is sort of this aura around the Chiefs that they're going to have to overcome. I think the setting is better, obviously, for the Bills in this one. Um, it still might end up picking them, but uh, if the Chiefs are going to have this sort of rest advantage, uh, what a time to have it to have. A week off for your starters, play early the next week, and then get your guys rested up and play a Bills team that is just turned off, uh, turning and coming off of another game. So um, this should be a really good one. That's what I do know. Um, first time the Chiefs will have played in front of fans in Buffalo since 2014. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the um, 
to the jumping of leaping off of whatever they leap off onto the tables, whatever the Bills Mafia. You know, I think to does. get the full Buffalo story, it should be a first-person story of Vahe <laughs> taking a jump from from the top of a snow hill onto the table. I'm your guy. And if you're on, now you're right. You're writing the first person observing me. Is that how it's going to go? Capacity to do it all right afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about Sam is he would just bounce off the table. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll see you in Buffalo. That'll do it for today. Thanks to Monty Davis for putting together the episode and to our Sportsbeat KC staff of Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Sam McDowell, Vahe Gregorian, and Jesse Newell for sharing their insights. Continue to follow the best Chiefs coverage in the Kansas City Star on KansasCity.com and in the best digital newspaper out there, Live Edition com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC where we talk sports in and around Kansas City. Kansas City.